You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 63. I'm your host, Andreas Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jalan Levin and Pontus Beckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Buongiorno! Oh, come va? Ah, that's not your real language. How are you? I've, I've missed you guys. I've missed you guys. We miss you too. I was in, in Italy skiing. It was nice. Lots of sun, lots of pizza and lots of wine. So I haven't been, you know, but I still missed you. So um, I'm glad to be back. Welcome back, Pontus! Any terrible burns? No, no, no. But I had... Uh, uh, terrible pains in my uh, my legs for a while there because I was doing exercises I wasn't really used to. But, <laughs> but I, I guess it comes with the territory. Exercises are overrated. Exercises are overrated. Yeah, I thought so for a while there as well. Yeah, but yeah, I really envy you, Pontus. Actually, especially for your age, you're you're an, quite an athletic-looking guy. Pontus, he keeps he keeps saying your age, doesn't he? Well, you know, when I lay down my cane and get out of the wheelchair, I actually can ski quite well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <sighs> so, it all boils down to genetics, right? Don't take no shit from Andres Pontus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is that I'm probably not more than 15 years younger than him. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, it's. Uh, you remember what uh, Indiana Jones said? It's not the years, it's the mileage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is quite a good comment. <laughs> oh, actually, in terms of mileage, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, <laughs> okay, uh, then fine. yeah, I've probably been to the moon and back. <laughs> Not literally, unfortunately. Oh. I would love to. Though. Oh, I thought you were going to tell something that we didn't know about. You. No, no, no. I have actually recommended the company I worked for as a tour guide at trips to to moon. Um, they didn't listen to me. They're still yeah. thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, they're still <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we do have a couple of things to think about as well. Vaxxed is all over the news, right? What do you think of the anti-vaccination movement coming coming back really hard? I mean, they are massive right now. So I definitely don't agree with uh, with the statement that they, they are not mainstream they are becoming mainstream and that's absolutely fucking terrifying so i'd like to make a call again a call for action in terms of uh, leaving bad reviews on amazon and on itunes it will depend on the country you're in whether it's available or not but it's definitely available in the uk store and in the american store so Please go on iTunes and go on Amazon. Find the movie Vaxxed. Don't buy it. Please don't buy it. Please don't pay money for that shit. <laughs> but please leave a bad review mm. as soon as you can. And if you don't feel like leaving a review without actually having seen the movie, then I have good news. I have a copy. And I'm more than happy to share my copy with you, free of charge, so we don't actually contribute to the massive wealth of Andrew Wakefield. 
So just leave us a message or contact us on the website or tweet at me uh, on uh, Twitter at Scapman or try to find us uh, on Twitter and contact us for the link. We will send you the link to download the movie free of charge. And then you will know what this movie is all about. It's a pile of shit, I'm telling you. Yeah. And if you want to contact us... You can do so by uh, getting in touch with us via emailing us. It's um, The email address is info at theesp.eu. Uh, you can fill in the contact form on our website, um, which is theesp.eu. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. And like us on Facebook. Um, also, if you're listening to our podcast via iTunes, please leave us a review. Um, it will be much appreciated. And spread the word. And please don't mistake us for uh, waxed. So if it's the the ESP, please uh, leave a, a nice review. <laughs> if it's waxed, please leave a bad one. Yeah. But try to be factual. Yeah, please read through the comments first and the reviews. Oh, it's going to blow your head off and your your mind and everything. So you, you're going to be very angry. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Don't forget also to uh, go to our website and look at the calendar to see what's going on in Europe. We have uh, we we don't talk about every event anymore, but uh, we still update it. It's it's there. Uh, you know, typ- a typical day it's about two or three events going on in Europe. It's quite encouraging to see uh, that it's happening. So so do that. And while you're on our web page, why don't you click on the donate button? I mean, uh, it, it can. Um, help us to to continue doing the show indeed every penny and every cent counts so if you have anything um no matter how small amount you you can spare uh we will be very grateful for it absolutely and we are already grateful to those who have donated so thank you very much thank you yes and by the way, we have been contacted um, uh, regarding my uh, initiative about VAX as well. So I have already shared um, the link with a couple of people. So yeah, keep them coming. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about uh, calling for actions, uh, taking action um, against pseudoscience and how to educate people into scientific thinking and the ways of science and i came across a very good article um actually in translation uh it was translated into portuguese and it was on the, the website of concept which is the portuguese skeptics community led by diana barbosa whom we have interviewed on this show um quite early at the beginnings of the show actually and um yeah, they translated um, an article that uh, was published on the website of the European Network of Science Centres and Museums. And it's uh, about post-truth, uh, science communication in the post-truth world. And um, the author of the article is Antonio Gomez da Costa, who's a consultant in science communication. And why it's a very highly recommended read. Um, it's quite long, actually, but it's it's well worth reading through it. The original is in English, by the way. Very good English, uh, I have to say. So it's 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 
enjoyable uh, just to read through it. He talks about uh, how we deceive ourselves, what different biases we all have, and how the problem is not not knowing enough about science, but not knowing how science works. And he um, comes up with a couple of uh, great ideas regarding what to do. Uh, one of them is uh, trying to eliminate uh, two effects. The, the backfire effect, I don't know how familiar you guys are with, uh, with that. And um, the other thing is the worldview effect. That is, um, your worldview actually provides a, a much stronger foundation for, for our biases than anything else. And the backfire effect is when when someone's opinion is based on beliefs, the facts that that try to contradict those beliefs are perceived as 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 a threat, and and that's why it it generates a kind of uh, cognitive dissonance, and they are being ignored or rejected. All right, uh, so these are very important problems to to overcome, and. He puts it in the context of science communication and brings in, um, invokes a couple of uh, usual um, statements, uh, a couple of usual claims uh, as to why science is wrong and why science does not know everything and cannot explain everything and it's not 100% sure about anything. And um, he turns it into... A communicational issue as to how we could communicate that that is what's cool and what's the greatest about science it's not it's not a fault of science the or, or if you we want to express it as a fault it's still a great thing that science does have this because we can we can work with that and uh, science doesn't claim more than it can achieve and that's that's why it's the most reliable set of methods out there and um, one thing that that is quite interesting i haven't come across that idea anywhere else is curiosity that what you would like to build on is normal human curiosity and try to emphasize that science builds on that very curiosity instead of agendas so science just wants to know and wants to be as certain as possible even though we have established that it cannot be certain at at all times or any time actually and if we appeal to that curiosity then it keeps being interesting and it keeps being the right thing to do um so I'm not going to explain the whole thing because it's a very long article. It's well worth a read and it's going to be on the show notes. Yeah, and then he finishes with um, a, a call for action. Just as usual, you know, call for action. That's what we do. Um, and one of those things that we could we could uh, join is March for Science. Yeah. On the 22nd of April. Yes. What do you think of the March March for Science, guys, in Europe? I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. And we're... Discussing it within the Swedish skeptics now, how how to best, you know, mobilize ourselves and do something about it and make sure that it happens also here. We have we haven't got any concrete plans yet, but I think it's a good idea. So you're lucky you don't have a bunch of naysayers in your group, uh, because in my group um, with the Hungarian Skeptic Society, the the discussion is about whether it makes sense to try to organize the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure people feel some people feel like that, but okay, they they just don't have to go. 
it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people try to try to make the argument that um, it's an American thing, and we don't have uh, anything to to link it to. There is no actuality of the thing. All evidence to the contrary, I think. I mean, if we, yeah. if you, absolutely. I mean, the ra- the rise the rise of the. Uh, alternative facts, alternative medicine, alternative anything yeah. is 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 the reason enough to uh, wide you know spread in Europe is the reason enough to go and march for science. There has been some poor scientific uh, science communication, and something needs to be done about that. But um, we still need to be yeah out there yeah. And you might be talking about this uh, later on. On the show, right? Yes, I have uh, uh, a research, a paper that I've read about um, that I want to discuss later on. Okay. That linked directly to what you were saying yeah. uh, earlier. Good. Okay. Can't wait to hear it. But there is a certain order of our uh, segments. And as usual, the first segment is This Week in Skepticism. And now over to Yellow Levin. Today I want to talk about um, somebody who was born on the 27th of February 1971, relatively young guy still. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Darren Victor Brown um, and he is uh, an English mentalist and illusionist. I believe he's known worldwide for his uh, extraordinary performances um, and since his television debut uh, Mind Control in 2000 uh, he has produced several um, other shows both on stage and for television and he also written books for magicians as well as the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, Brown doesn't actually claim to possess any supernatural powers. Indeed, his uh, acts are often um, designed to expose the charlatans um, and uh, the methods of those who uh, prey on the gullible, such as faith healers and mediums. Yeah. And... Um, in his performances, he often pretends that his magic tricks are achieved through purely psychological means. Um, and actually, he of, very often also then describes how he did it step by step. Um, he's done shows and talked about um, everything starting from um, hypnosis to new age crystal healings. Um, he's also actually created um, a ghost train ride in a Thorpe attraction park in England. <laughs> I don't know of anyone who's been there yet, but I've I've seen bits of, of footage uh, about this ghost train ride. I'm not going to be going on one because I don't like to be scared, but um, it's, it seems to be really, really good for those who like uh, haunted houses experiences, etc. As long as there's no roller coaster ride in- involved, then I'm fine with it. <laughs> no, I think it's all you put the 3D, you're, you're on a train carriage, you put the 3D glasses and then you experience oh, okay. all sorts of things. So he said about himself that um, I used to be a full-on happy-clappy Christian until my mid-twenties. Then I realized that my beliefs were just as prone to circular logic and self-fulfillment as all of the other New Age nonsense which bugged me. And then reading New Testament as a historical document finally uh, read me from any religion be- religious beliefs. Th- that's a good advice for anybody who uh, is thinking, you know, of how can they uh, persuade their religious friends to, to leave the faith. Just ask them to re- <laughs> le- read New Testament as a historical document the um 
Miracle for Sale show, one of his um, one of, of his well-known shows, Miracle for Sale, exposes the tricks um, of, of faith healers. Um, and he shows how they use powers of suggestion uh, to cure blind, deaf, uh, grow limbs, etc. Of course, when uh, faith healers um, promise to heal uh, they also expect a large monetary contribution from the uh, the people and uh, uh, mega churches in America, especially um, they make um, the pastors of those churches extremely rich um, and they prey on the sick people. There was no um, uh, healer has a, who no healer has ever produced a single piece of evidence um, to suggest that, that any of the healing was true. And again, as in many of his performances, uh, Darren Brown showed how to make the so-called healing look real. How you then say to a blind person that he or she can see, the deaf person that she or uh, he can hear. He also had a show called Fear and Faith on the TV uh, where he uh, was um, participating in a drug trial. It was a placebo drug called Rumi Yodin, an anagram uh, of your mind. He promised the participants of the trial that it would remove their fears and phobias. Um, and actually, at the end of the show, when he was giving interview about how it went, he said that it opened um, his eyes because... Um, uh, he said, I thought the confidence stuff would work, but there was um, a guy who had, for example, chronic dermatitis that, that completely cleared up, uh, etc. And um, uh, people uh, stopped smoking. Um, so it, it was a great example of the placebo effect and how it actually worked and how people can change their minds and therefore change their physical appearances. So the, he um, is all around... An extraordinary guy. Um, he still performs. Um, in fact, there was a show. There's going to be a show in March in London. Unfortunately, sold out. Um, as I was researching him uh, for today's episode, I, I, I went online and wanted to book a show, but couldn't. <laughs> Never mind. And um, I find him um, a fascinating character. He's, um, as I mentioned earlier, written some books, of which one of them is now on my ever-growing list of things to read and um, it's called <laughs> Happy, Why More or Less Everything is Absolutely Fine. Um, this book um, talks about the, the branch of um, so-called self-help gurus uh, who write the books on how to be ha happy and how to help yourself and all this kind of thing and he's got a very interesting point of view on, on all of it and there is much more to, to learn about Darren Brown and uh, see online, of course. And please, um, I encourage our listeners to, to do so. Um, everything he does is absolutely um, incredible because you can see the transformation that he that happening on the screen in front of you if you watch his shows. I remember one of the most memorable thing I've, uh, things I've seen in a very long time, and I still think it's one of the, the most incredible things that kind of show the power of suggestion was when he converted a scientist, I believe she was a STEM research scientist, who was an atheist, um, and he converted her into a believer within a day, um, and she had a very strong religious experience. Um, and it was ju all just the power of suggestion. And the, the, the truth Doesn't was... really sound like an ethical experiment to me, but uh, I hope he... he put everything right <laughs> in the end. <laughs> well, it might have been a challenge, 
that okay i dare you at the end of the show he made sure that this woman who had this extraordinary experience recognized it wasn't god who did that to her it wasn't god who she experienced it was her own doing and he guided her step by step through the things that he's done to achieve that effect mm-hmm. and showed showed to everybody in the audience and who was watching how it can be achieved, how this religious experience can be achieved by pastors in, in church, uh, by saying certain things, by uh, encouraging certain behavior. So she didn't leave the show believing. She just had that very strong, like, God presence. She called it a God, you know, she felt like it was this... Um, all accepting love and presence, etc. Um, so yes, no, it would have been very uh, unethical, and that's what preachers do and uh, faith healers do. That this is all very unethical. But he always makes sure that he explains and make sure that everybody is on the same page. And nobody yeah. leaves misguided. Do you remember the um, uh, Richard Dawkins's uh, two parts documentary, The Enemies of Reason? I haven't seen it. It was back in 2007, I believe, uh, and I think that was the first time I've ever heard the word cold reading and about the concept of cold reading. And it was him, Darren Brown, explaining it on the show, on oh. the documentary, um, because uh, Richard Dawkins interviewed him. And it was like an eye-opening experience that, oh, yeah, that can be done actually and then after the after that um i started uh, watching a couple of other things uh, about cold reading and uh, different techniques that uh, psychics and uh, so-called psychics use and uh, that's how i came across uh, randy's um, psychic investigator series as well that's a pretty good one yeah so Good, Darren Brown. Wonderful. There you go. Thank you very much, Yana. My pleasure. That means that we are ready to move on to the news items. Good. Uh, Now that we've talked about psychics and everything of the like, fortune tellers, that's a thing as well, right? Mm. Yeah. Good old fortune tellers on the telly. Uh, Well, mainstream media in Hungary features a couple of them, actually. And um, for long, long years, no one really cared. At the beginning, we expressed our uh, worries about uh, these practices, but uh, no one really listened. But then, somehow, an authority, which is the National Media and Info Communications Authority in Hungary, started an investigation into a couple of these TV shows on two of the largest commercial broadcasters, TV2 and RTL. One of them, TV2, features two of these shows, Ezo TV and Astro World. The other one, uh, RTL, features one that's called Astro Show. So, the investigation resulted in the, the following findings. First of all, they stated that there is no reason to try to put these shows to um they they are usually run on early morning or or somewhere around that um and there is no reason according to um this authority the national media and info communications authority to put them to a late night slot because um because children are not particularly susceptible compared to adults so there is no elevated risk 
uh, to to children. How did they get to that conclusion? Well, <laughs> I think it's only a matter of not making a distinction between children and adults being susceptible. But there is more to this. Then they go on that their practices still might be unlawful due to the potential deceit that these practices involve. Uh, and especially that interactive gambling is involved as well. So what um, the um, the press release states is that because of the interactive gambling, it is not their jurisdiction, so it needs to be transferred to the Hungarian Competition Authority and the National Tax and Customs Administration. And this is what they said, that they did, that they transferred this case to these two authorities. Now... This is how, where, where it starts to get a bit more interesting. Apparently, there, there was Index, and they approached uh, the authority, and they added that this is a very serious issue, and they are aware that um, the, the audiences of, of these shows are very susceptible, they are vulnerable, because they're in a special situation. Turns out that it's because mostly the viewers who are exposed to this are elderly people staying at home during those times Then these shows are aired, right? Because during that time, normally children are at school. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they also approached the two other authorities mentioned earlier, neither of which have heard about the case. So it was actually not transferred to them. Nothing happened. So this is how seriously they take it, apparently. There was um, a study in 2016, in October, that uh, surveyed seven episodes of these, these actual shows, and the highest number of viewers was 18,000. Women are overrepresented among these viewers, and they're mostly over 60. And regarding their uh, status and uh, their education level, um, it's mostly the lowest education level within society that um, they had. So it's a very interesting problem. But yeah, earlier uh, there have been a couple of um, penalties issued um, on on a couple of these shows, but nothing is really being done. Why I brought this up is because some of the national media, however, tried to make it look as if they were being swept out and being kicked out of these media channels, these shows. But this is not the case. So it turns out that no one really cares Nothing is really happening, even though the authorities, the Hungarian authorities, talked about it, at least one of these authorities. The rest of them haven't even heard about them. So it's not going to be a case, apparently. So um, these fortune teller shows are probably here to stay. Mm. Yeah. It's like it's a, it's a matter of um, supply and demand, I think. Oh, yeah people really want to know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately yes the truth is out there <laughs> oh yeah 
X Files, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There has been a um, paper published by um, University of Münster in Germany. It was titled "When Science Becomes Too Easy: Science Popularization Inclines Lay People to Underrate Their Dependence on Experts." And by lay people, they mean people like you and me, you guys. Not lame people, just lay people. So making science easier to understand encourages people to ignore expert advice from scientists. Um, and that's what the study is exploring. It is um, overall a positive thing that um, science needs to be made as accessible as possible to uh, uh, people who are not uh, working in scientific fields. Um, but there is a potential downside to it. And um, what happens when a person reads an article on a very complex uh, matter, the scientific complex matter, um, that is put um, in very easy terms to understand, um, those people are, are overrate their own understanding of the complex, or complex technical subject um, and therefore tend to rely on their own judgment on certain subject, complex su subjects. Um, as part of this experiment and um, as part of the putting the paper together, um, 73 Germans with no scientific training were asked to read two articles from online tabloid magazines on science and two pieces from magazines uh, that addressed at an expert audience that used um, uh, term terminology, um, scientific terminology, etc. And uh, the participants of this study were then asked to um, advise, um, the participants of the study were then asked how they would advise a friend who had approached them for help relating to a health issue um, on the same subject as the articles they had just read. Um, and while the information contained in Lane audience articles was far from extensive, um, the participants were more likely to trust more in their own judgment and display a weaker desire to consult them a more knowledgeable person than after reading expert audience article. So when the science becomes too easy, science popularization inclines lay people to underrate their dependence on experts. They go on in saying in this, is this paper that um, they in no way deny that informing uh, lay people about scientific topics that impact strongly on their daily life is an important endeavour. However, this should not be achieved at the p uh, price of having lay people overlook the limitations of their own epistemic capabilities. Mm. This is where, where you say that a little uh, knowledge is very dangerous because you think you, you, you think you understand it, but you don't understand how complex things are. Very, very much so, especially now when uh, there is um, a talk about how much we should rely on expert opinion. And this talk is coming from uh, people in power who are dismissing expert opinions. It is uh, very important for science to claim um, this back and important to um, reiterate and uh, keep highlighting um that uh, expert opinion does matter and um, I think maybe there should be more disclaimers but how would you then address it? I think certain th things in science um, uh, popularization and the science communication um, have to be addressed more clearly um, and when the article is written about the uh, complex su subject there has to be a clear statement made that this is to, n you know, to no extent um, 
all the information that is known about a certain subject. Um, How does the article define expert opinion? So they, they um, I don't think I've, I found a definition of the expert opinion, but basically they have acknowledged that science has got so many different branches and there are certain experts who work on one subject all their lives who therefore call themselves experts. But actually, every individual remains a lay person with regards to most domains. So there's all, they recognize the, the complexity, absolutely. Um, and the experts will be, I don't know, people with degrees, people who worked on certain researches now and again. Like I said, I haven't found a definition in the article itself. Okay, I'm going to tell you why it bothers me. Yeah? This expression, expert opinion, is because expert opinion can be a double-edged sword. Because you can find an expert to back up any kind of claim out there. So the word opinion is what bothers me about this. Because what I would I, I, I would like to emphasize is that being an expert is something and knowing what the science has to say. I don't care about what, what the expert has to say. I want to hear what the science has to say about it, and I trust that the expert knows enough about that field to to be able to interpret what the science has to say. And that's, in most of the cases, that's, that's a difficult thing to, to achieve. One of the reasons why is because scientists themselves, who are experts on that field, are actually too busy doing their own science. Yeah, there is, there is a need for publishing your results and your science and that's a good thing but that's obviously something that is very hard to read you you Yelena, you very often say that science is hard i don't necessarily agree with that uh, but probably it's only probably because i don't know what you mean by that yeah um so okay here is an example so we know or, or majority of people know uh, that um two plus two is four Let's say let's say it might be hard for some people, but it is easy. Okay, it's it's easy to understand that two plus two is four. In fact, okay. if you, you know, have two pieces of wood and then the other two pieces of wood and you put them together, even if you don't know that two plus two is four, you can count that it's it is. Um, and that's an easy thing to understand. Now, to understand the complexities of the um, the way that the body works, um, how the food is digested in your belly and how all the vitamins absorbed. That's hard. Like, none of us spent any time in researching that or we just trust uh, the, the expert's opinion that who said so who are saying that a certain thing will make our body do a certain thing certain things are good for us certain, certain things are bad for us um so that's just one example i don't think it's the most exciting example but. yeah the accumulation of knowledge is not science so that's what I mean by science not necessarily being hard, is that doing science is basically being focused to one problem and trying to solve that problem. A couple of questions and you want to answer those couple of questions. And that's what a scientist does. And then you get the results and you try to 
integrate those results into the general knowledge, accumulated knowledge, from different other fields. And that's how you build the knowledge base of humanity. But so this is basically how science works. And there are certain problems that are hard to understand. So I would not be able to comprehend uh, what's going on at the, the Large Hadron Collider. That's for sure. So I, I don't even claim to, to, to be able to understand that. But there are things that if you're familiar with the language, if you're familiar with, uh, with somehow the, the literature of that certain field, you might be capable and, and yeah, you have a certain way of thinking. That's the scientific way of thinking, the critical thinking. Then you can evaluate and, and, and try to figure out the meaning of stuff and you try to understand complex problems as well based on what's written in the literature. By the literature, I mean the articles published by the researchers themselves. But I wonder if, I mean, I haven't read the paper, but I wonder if the, this is not about something different because this sounds to me like more like the Dunning-Kruger effect. When you mm -hmm. know a little about something... Yeah, absolutely. You think it's easy. Yeah, that's yeah. a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, but I think that that's what this yeah. paper is about. Um, yeah, but still, but what bugs me about it is the the, the expression expert opinion. <laughs> great. Okay. Yeah. So in in the ideal world, and of course, um, they they do mention that in in a paper, students uh, from the early age or, or or pupils in school from the early age are being taught how to understand and how to uh, evaluate the um, scientific sources and citations and how to understand whether the uh, paper that's written is any good at, and um, yeah. how to then follow up the the, um, the research that's done. But we, we unfortunately, we still don't live in the ideal world. And um, when I finished school, I certainly didn't have a clue on how to uh, read a popular article in a magazine about um, scientific issue and then go and read up um, the expert's opinion um, and to follow up the research that was done on the matter. And it would never even cross my mind. So I guess it all sh should really start um, in school and um, uh, kids should be given the tools to be able to, to not only think critically, but, um, you know, decide which expert opinion is indeed uh, good or, or valid and which isn't um, and follow um, up on the sources etc so yes I mean I, f I found this paper quite exciting because um, as um, I love the idea of, of accessible science communication because there is so much that I've learned via those sources but by listening to people who um, uh, made science accessible many of them we, we have had in our podcast and interviewed in the past year and a bit but um, I think we, we all should recognize the fact that we don't know everything of course and neither does um, science but um, the, the science keeps the most knowledge together and it's it's always um, good to, to bear it in mind the complexity of the science um, and uh, every time we make a decision on a certain topic maybe do more than one research look at the um, uh, a certain position from, from more than just one point thank you talking about expert opinions mike adams does that name ring a bell mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes okay 
what is it? Health Ranger? Is that what he's called? Health himself? Ranger, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he has a very popular website called Natural News. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, apparently, now, recently, he started to panic. Um, could be just a stunt um, to to gain more um, support as the the so-called underdog who's who's being suppressed by the evil Google because apparently Google removed all natural news content from their hmm. indexing. <laughs> That's good. Mike Adams claims that it uh, means that a hundred and forty thousand pages have been removed from the Google indexes. Wow. So what does that mean? The indexed websites will try to come up on your Google search based on their relevance to what you're looking for. Yeah, there are certain ways of uh, making it uh, a bit more effective. That's uh, one of them is uh, search engine optimization. So um, that's, that's a good thing. But apparently... Um, Google took action against them. At first, many from the skeptical community, the international skeptic community as well, have really applauded this decision and uh, this action. And some even speculated that it might be one of those steps that Google decided to make against fake news and falsehoods spreading across the internet. But... um, it might not be the case. So there is a website called Search Engine Land and uh, it does claim, uh, based on a couple of um, pieces of information made available by Google and one of uh, Google's webmaster trends analyst, John Mueller, uh, who tweeted about that, that it was actually not the case. So natural news was not banned from Google over fake news, but... Uh, Instead, it was a violation, a webmaster violation, that the website was penalized for. The the reason why it's very important is because some people started to argue that this is probably a a bit of a slippery slope. So if Google starts deciding what to remove from their indexes um, based on content, it's it's probably not the direction we want to move. And I definitely agree with that argument. So we don't want censorship by Google. But this was not what happened, really. It's it's not what happened anyway. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you cannot find these websites. It means that um, a Google search will um, not rank them very high, these pages based on the usual search words that are set for for those pages. So if you Google natural news, you'll still come up with their website. Mm. But for example, if you Google GMO, uh, you won't find them (laughs) now uh, because they are massively anti-GMO. They're all for these um, move. They're they're really a great supporter and mover of the organic movement, actually. So, yeah, it, it turns out that it's it's not that bad and Google just took action over some webmaster kind of problem. What does that mean, webmaster problem? Well, I'm definitely not an expert, so it's going to be a non-expert opinion. So the Google sp- uh, spokesperson, there was a Google spokesperson who told Search Engine Land, and I quote, 
We don't comment on individual sites, but if we find that a site violates one or more of our webmaster guidelines, we may take manual action against it. For webmasters who have questions about their own sites, our webmaster team provides support through platforms such as the webmaster forums. Once a site has remedied the problem, the webmaster can submit the site for reconsideration. Yeah, but it's it doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, the site owner reconsidering stuff because now they are at a, on a on a full scale attack against Google over this. So now they cry wolf, and now now they they say <laughs> it's really terrible what Google 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 is now the content police um, and and. Everything yeah. of that, but kind. it sounds like it's not actually the content. It's it's the way they've set up their website. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's someone not- said something else, but uh, I can't really make sense of it. Uh, probably because of the the lack of knowledge um, mm-hmm. yeah, on, yeah, okay. on the field. Okay. Oh, that's interesting to know. Yeah, but the the, the, the funny thing is that it, they recently claimed that Google banned them because the site was pro Trump. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so really? It's, ah. So uh-huh. it's 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 getting weird now. <laughs> All right. Okay. Speaking of Trump, oh, uh, on ne- next news, I think a lot of people have heard about this, uh, and this is about Donald Trump. This was on the 18th of February, so it's starting to become sort of old news, but it keeps developing still. Uh, he talked about um, uh, terrorism in the world, and and he talked. He mentioned Sweden. In, in, in a speech, and, and nobody mm. understood what he was talking about. Yeah, I remember that. And he said, we've got to keep our country safe. Well, of course, that's not Sweden, that's the US. We keep, we, we've got to keep our country safe. You look what's, at what's happening in Germany, you look what's happening last night in Sweden. And then everybody, all Swedes, including me, we just looked at each other and said, what, what, what happened last night in Sweden? And that became a hashtag that has gone viral last night in Sweden. And it was quite funny in a way because a lot of people shared a lot of uh, uh, memes about what happened last night in Sweden, including some moose who got lost in a, somebody's uh, backyard and, you know, things like that. It wasn't very, very dramatic at all. And people would m- make fun of this. So what did he actually refer to that that's what what did he was what, did he just make it up at the spot turns out he did not make it up um it doesn't mean it's true though uh it seems to be established now that trump was uh, watching a documentary on fox news oops <laughs> there you go that's where he gets his intelligence right he saw a um, a documentary called the the stockholm syndrome uh, that was produced by a guy called Amy Horowitz. Uh, he's a producer who wants to see himself more uh, just like a Swedish Michael Moore type of guy. Okay. He actually has referred to Michael Moore as some, some sort of inspiration. The documentary, however, is very, very biased and was actually debuted on, on YouTube. So it wasn't really a, a, a thing. But then it was shown by Fox News. And it shows a picture of a country, Sweden, that is falling apart due to the unlimited immigration with violence and murders and rape all over the place. And uh, this is what Trump picked up on. Now, looking into this documentary, there were two Swedish policemen who were interviewed in the film and they were rather instrumental in in spreading this uh, picture. 
uh, of, of a country being really ridden with violence and stuff. Uh, these two uh, policemen have uh, come forward in, in the media and said that they were replying to completely different questions than you hear in the film. <laughs> so they took they took their answers and they substituted a question to make it appear in, in a very different way. And one of them even went so far to, as to call Amy Horowitz, the producer, a madman. So... That that's two of the people who appeared in the film. Now there's a film photographer as well who was hired to to work on the film, and he can corroborate the 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 policeman's story. This is what happened. He said he would not have taken the job as photographer if he knew what kind of film it was. He says now, and so this is fake news, and it's very interesting that that fake news is now guiding Trump while he's calling everybody else fake news. But yeah. do you know why he's calling everybody else fake news? Well, you, well let me hear what your theory is. Uh, sorry, that's that's. I, I don't think it's my theory. It's something I've heard when somebody asked him at the briefing, you know, did so-and-so happen? And he said, well, of course it happened. You know it happened. But all the news that are reported around it are fake. And what he meant is everything he doesn't like or has a negative connotation about him is fake. Like the, this whole yeah. tone. <laughs> I think you're right, Jelena. And I think what's happening is that Trump has this, uh, you know, tactic that whenever anybody accuses him of anything, he accuses them, them back and much more. So if somebody says fake news to him, he says fake news much more to everybody else. Yeah. And and that's why it, it, it sort of works, unfortunately. Um, but anyway, this has repercussions, and and of course, the Swedish Democrats in Sweden. It's a we know we're not a political podcast, but it's a, not a party that I sympathise with, as we've heard many times. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is my <laughs> opinion. That that's just what it is. Partly, not not just because you know they are uh, against all immigration. They don't want to help. Blah blah blah. And they don't, they, they're basically a one question party and they think they can solve every problem with keeping everybody who's a little bit foreign out of the country. So that, that, that's the solution. And then they invent the problems that this solution will work with. So, so they're very much uh, or, or not very logical in their uh, arguments. And it's very deceiving to call themselves the Democratic Party. Yeah, exactly. Why do you put Democrat in the name? Well, that's because you want to be perceived as democratic, even if you may not be that. Anyway, yeah, Sweden Democrats have, of course, latched on to what uh, Trump is saying. And now they are perpetuating this picture that Sweden is a, uh, a country that has been taken over by, by immigrants. And it's a land of riots and terror. And this is how you build myths. You know, somebody says something and somebody repeats it and enhances it, etc. So let's look into this a little bit. Sweden has 10 million inhabitants and has about 100 murders per year. That's about 20% of what they have in the US if you, if you count per capita. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence that on the 23rd of February, the official government site called government.se it's an english language site uh, they published a post uh, or a blog post called facts about immigration which we will link to in the show notes it explains 
how we only have had one Islamist attack ever. And that was back in uh, 2010. <laughs> and I, ironically, the only person harmed and actually killed in that incident was the person who wanted to... It was the attacker himself. Okay. That's the only Islamist attack that they list there. Killings by firearms have gone up. That's true. In 2011, it was 17 people. And in 2015, it was 33. So, you know, you can make statistics out of this. Um, in a percent, as a percent, it's quite a lot, quite a huge increase. But if you look at it, it has nothing to do with immigration. It's all related to criminal conflicts, uh, so according to the police. We do have a, a high rape statistic in, in Sweden. But that's also explained on this site because it's be it's because we have over time widened the definition of what is rape. So a lot of things that is called rape in Sweden is actually not called rape anywhere else. Okay. And for for instance, if you if your husband rapes you every day for a year in Sweden, and there's a report filed about this. This counts as 365 occasions. In other countries, it would count only as one. And in other countries, again, it wouldn't count at all because your husband is allowed to rape you in some countries. Uh -oh. So, so you, can't, you can't just compare statistics like that. You have to know what's behind it. Also, yeah. there is... A, a, people in Sweden are very open with... Are not afraid to report rape. In many countries, rape is very shameful and is not reported. But in Sweden, it's it's still shameful, I guess, but not as much. It's it's pretty accepted that you should report things like that. So, so you can't compare numbers between Sweden and other countries. Anyway, we sh you should go to this website. It explains it much better than I do. But it it there's uh, it it really without mentioning Trump or or this thing. The hashtag last night in Sweden, uh, it, it really explains a, a lot of things why certain statistics can look very bad, even though they're not. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this, um, this rape thing, I had an analogy in my head about um, the autism statistics that now mm. many more things considered to, to be on autistic spectrum and also the autism is diagnosed in a different way. And that, yeah. that's why. So you can't compare year. Well, Year to year. Yeah. Hmm. But um, I, I was, as you were talking about the rape statistic in Sweden, this is exactly what I was wondering. I, I was wondering if, if people in, in Sweden or women in Sweden are more, in, well, they probably feel more comfortable to report rape. They encouraged to report rape and also certain things that are... Yeah. Or, or less uncomfortable. I, I don't think you're ever comfortable with reporting Well, sorry, that, yes. That, I that, think, that, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Now, talking about rape and uh, mass sex assaults. Do you remember that uh, happening in Frankfurt at the beginning of the year? Yes, I remember the yeah, reporting of, course, of it. Yeah. The, report, the reporting of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Massive, massive reporting all over Europe um, that mass sexual assaults uh, took place on the 31st of December and the 1st of January um well now turns out that 
the reports might have been absolutely baseless. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So the German language paper Bild published a report on February the 5th uh, that masses of migrants participated in, in a sex mob kind of thing. And it got translated into several other um, news outlets um, and uh, it was run all across uh, the world, uh, basically. And then, just a bit more than a week later, uh, this was a big thing, Um, Bild apologised for the initial report uh, because the police deemed that the self-identified witnesses were not credible writes uh, Snopes. I really like the fact that uh, Snopes did take on this one, even though it's a European kind of topic, but uh, they they usually deal with uh, the, with American ones. But uh, this is um, I'm I'm really happy to have uh, read about this, and it's um it's very good to know that it might have been made up by the witnesses the the so-called witnesses used. Uh, turns out that the wo- um, the woman. The 27-year-old woman who was uh, um, the the main witness in the case was not even there. Wow. And <laughs> she was somewhere else, uh, as the police found out. So, yeah, Bild apologized. Um, the editor of Ch- editor-in-chief um, tweeted a correction, and uh, now it seems that... Uh, they, it, it's well explained and thanks again very much uh, mm-hmm. to Snopes for that yeah that doesn't mean unfortunately that doesn't mean that uh, some of the other reported events or, or incidents did not take place so some of them unfortunately um, in Germany um, the one in Cologne uh, that, that for example seems to be based on facts and that is very sad Another sad thing that I'd like to talk about is the Hungarian quack who probably caused several deaths in Hungary uh, for treating cancer. You may remember that I've already talked about him uh, when he was uh, taken to court. Um, That was the guy who was a veterinarian surgeon instead of being, being a medical doctor. Yeah. And he still used his his uh, uh, title, his doctor title, and uh, administered um, injections and and everything, which is uh, vitamin C injections to treat cancer. Turns out the man um, got convicted for quackery, but the problem is that uh, there was room room for appeal, and he did appeal. But uh, the conviction, anyway, was um, not binding in the first place. So he was convicted, but he's in a two years probation. But he appealed as well, so it's not over yet. But on the first level, he he got convicted for quackery, which is good. We, we talked about him before. What's his name? His name is uh, Tomasz David. All right. Anything else regarding the news? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. That means that we're moving on to logical fallacies. Yelena, please. I want to talk about a logical fallacy called 
argumentum ad lapidem. Um, it uh, translates from Latin as appeal to the stone. Um, uh, this fallacy consists of dismissing uh, in a, a statement as absurd without giving any proof of its absurdity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the statements are fallacious because they fail to address the merits of the claim in dispute. Um, and the same applies to proof by assertion uh, fallacy, where an unproved or disproved claim is asserted as the true um, or no ground other than that of its truth having been asserted. Um, the, interestingly, uh, this name, um, the appeal to the stone uh, name of the fallacy, is derived from a famous incident in which Dr. Samuel Johnson um, claimed to disprove Bishop Berkeley's immaterialist philosophy. Apparently, this philosophy means that there are no material objects, only minds and ideas in those minds. So there we go, guys. If you thought your computers exist, they don't. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, um, so the Samuel Johnson basically uh, disproved um, this claim by kicking a large stone and asserting, I refute it thus. Um, so uh, there are several examples that I could think of. They, they're all <laughs> pretty similar, I guess. Um, when we talk about, for example, um, the, the creation uh, God uh, when we talk about God um, God created heaven and earth uh, so th- if I say God created heaven and earth uh, the other person might say what ridiculous idea and I might say why so and the other person might reply because it's obviously is and that's of course not a reasonable argument uh, we, it needs to be um, there, there needs to be sort of a logical um, reasoning behind it and, and a chain um, and the other one that I've thought about was about vaccines, of course, <laughs> one of our favorite topics. Um, vaccines cause autism, somebody might assert, and, and somebody else might say, what a ridiculous idea. Um, and uh, on f- to the question of how so, uh, the, the answer might be because it obviously is. And again, that's not a good enough response. Uh, and there has to be uh, evidence and c- cited research, etc., etc., etc. Um, so it's basically saying just because. Just because, just yeah. Because, because, yeah. I, because I said so. <laughs> it's a very childish kind of <laughs> yeah. way. Because, yeah. Not not very convincing, is it? No, not very convincing. But that's um, that's the appeal to the stone for you. <laughs> Good. Like the name of it. Thank you very much. Okay, um, that means that our next segment is up, which is really wrong. Presented by Pontus Bergman. Yes, we have talked about uh, the Polish government before, not so long ago, episode 47, and how they are not uh, very big fans of science. Uh, lately, the Polish Minister of Health, Konstanty Ratzewil, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, but something like that, Konstanty Ratzewil, he has officially denied that smog poses a risk to public health. Mm. And he's a health minister. He claimed that protecting uh, members of the public from air pollution is not a health priority and can virtually be ignored as there are more pressing health issues, in quotation marks. It should be noted that Poland has the second highest number of deaths per capita due to pollution in Europe after Bulgaria. Wow. So, there is a Polish philosopher and a journalist uh, called Jaroslav Makowski, 
And he has gone public about this fact, about this statement by the health minister, and reminded the health minister that around 44,000 people in Poland die prematurely every year because of smog. Uh, and he says that the words of Konstantin Ratzewell should be classified as harmful, if not more, stupid, in quotation marks. And if you look at the statistics, out of the 50 worst cities in the EU when it comes to uh, smog, 33 of them uh, lies in Poland. <laughs> yeah. So it's been calculated that in some areas, just breathing the air is equivalent of smoking just over seven cigarettes per day or, or 2,580 cigarettes per year. So uh, that's just for breathing. Uh, despite this, in spite of this, the, the health minister, Konstantin Ratzewil, has called the dangers of pollution theoretichny, which I think needs no interpretation. Good for you. So, yeah. So, um, for being a science denier and clearly not competent at his job, in my opinion, uh, the health minister of Poland, Konstantin Ratzewil, will get today's prize for being really wrong. Congratulations. Yeah. We should really hand these prices out. Yeah. Maybe send them in a post, like print them on a colorful paper. Yeah, yeah, like um like a <laughs> real thing. Okay. We could do that actually. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you Pontus. You know what we have in stock? We have a new GSOW radio spot. Mhm. Mm oh, want to listen to it? Let's hear it. Yeah. It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us! Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by binsound.com Okay, and that leaves us nothing else to do but to come up with a quote to finish up the show. So, today's quote comes from Hungarian biochemist Nobel laureate. His name was Albert Zent Georgi. And he said, The essence of the scientific method is that it deals with problems as such and thus it seeks solutions without prejudice or chauvinism. The question we ask is not who's right, but what the truth is. Yay! I hope I didn't butcher his name. Georgi. Albert Saint Georgi. But. Albert Saint Georgi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a lot of letters there in the name that you don't use. <laughs> Do you know what the, the citric acid cycle is? Mm, I've heard of it, but I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, one of the most important parts of uh, the metabolic pathways. 
in most of the animals. Um, Did he discover that? He discovered the basics of it, and he got the Nobel Prize for uh, discovering vitamin C. Oh. Yeah, and he started research into other metabolic chemicals. And, uh, yeah, um, the interesting thing about it is that uh, in Hungary, we call the citric acid cycle Sandjordi Krebs cycle which is nowhere to be found elsewhere but mm. in Hungarian literature. <laughs> because he basically only had a little bit to do with it. Um, because Krebs, who eventually got the Nobel Prize for it, described that that cycle. It's a cyclic chain of reactions. Um, mm. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. That means that this has been all for today. Thank you very much, Jana and Pontus, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe um, And spread the world. The word, mm. even. <laughs> Say that again, spread the word. So, yeah. And spread the word. Good. In the world. There is a Polish philosopher... That's how they talk there. Uh, yeah, let's just um, insult the Polish. Please. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>